Welcome to the Top 5, where I discuss my top 5 takeaways from this week's NASCAR race. This week, the Daytona 500. Hello, and thanks for tuning in. My name is Connor, and I am brand new at this, so stick with me. If the quality isn't good or the effects are bad, I'm learning. I will get to it. But if you love NASCAR, you love discussing NASCAR, and you just want to hear my thoughts about this week's race, well, you found the right spot. So let's get started. Number one. My number one takeaway is the hype that is the Daytona 500. A lot of things in NASCAR tend to get pretty hyped, and it's a lot of advertising. But this is one of the few things that live up to the hype, the, the spectacle the sights it's amazing it blows me away every single year in my opinion there's nothing in motorsports that lives up to it indy 500 is cool but it's not like the daytona 500 130,000 people in the stands another 20,000 or more in the infield it's crazy I had a long weekend with it being President's Day, and I thought, you know what, maybe I'll just go down there and just get a ticket and go to the race. And I couldn't. Tickets were unavailable. You could get them in, you know, StubHub, secondary markets, and they were very expensive. I couldn't even find a campsite within 20 miles of the racetrack. The flyover, the the anthem... The pre-race concert, all of it is incredible. I ended up out of town, not at my house, where there wasn't a TV, and it consumed my vacation, finding a way to watch the Daytona 500. Thankfully, we were able to get it on the TV, but I was about five minutes away from getting in the car and driving to the nearest bar or restaurant with a TV. Because that's how important it is. It's almost like a holiday. You hear the football fans talk about how the Super Bowl is a a national holiday. And it it is. It's fantastic. I love the Super Bowl. But the Daytona 500, not to compare the two, is the same. It is exciting and extravagant and amazing. And I'm just glad that our sport has such a, a huge event. Which leads to my next point. My number two point revolves around the actual race itself. It may have not been the most exciting 500. It definitely wasn't boring. I mean, there were some stretches where single file racing went on for 20, 30 laps. But you would see one line dominate and you would see drivers try and form a second line either on the top or bottom. And slowly, they would figure out a way to to come back up and have side-by-side racing the majority of the time. There was the big wreck at the end of uh, Section 1, which was a little frustrating. I'm a little bit underwhelmed at the amount of young drivers there are, especially when it involves nepotism like Jeb Burton, and Jeb Burton might be a fine driver in 10 years. I don't know. But the kid needs to stay in a lower tier of racing. 
you know, the guys in the booth said it was caused by his inexperience, uh, not knowing how to handle being pushed so hard. That's trash. I don't want to hear that. You're in the 500. If you can't handle being pushed at a, uh, super speedway, then why are you there at all? Of course, the drivers will tell you it's because Brad went ahead and ran him over and Brad did hit almost everything out there. I think uh, in the clash, these drivers learned that the composite material of these new vehicles can take a little more punishment than the old ones. And boy, did they try that one out. And then the other thing that was, oh, one last thing about that wreck. I will give credit for taking out Kyle Busch. Anytime Kyle Busch is out of a race, the race is immediately better for me. So that brings me on to the new car. Sure was odd seeing one lug cars. I'm not sure if I like it. I'm going to have to give it a handful of races. You, you can't make a determination after one race, especially not after one race being the Daytona 500. Seeing wheels falling off was weird. However, one positive is with the single lug, cars were able to quickly get fixed and back out. If they threw a tire, they couldn't move. That that was odd. You saw that with the 48 car. He had his both rear tires after a spin, and the car wouldn't move. I don't know if it's because they've gone from 15-inch diameter rims to 18-inch diameter. I'm unsure. But it was definitely odd. And the way that cars could push in the corners but not on the straightaways was, was very odd. At tracks like Daytona and Talladega, I'm so used to seeing train-like action down the front and back straightaway and then purposely letting off in the corners. Because if the car was being pushed in the corner, it would lift the back tires and cause a wreck. But it was a complete opposite, and that makes no sense to me. I don't know if maybe because there's more downforce on this car, it can handle it. But it seemed pushing in the straightaways was the issue with this car, and pushing in the corners where the most ground was made up. It's hard to say. We'll know more, obviously, in a handful of races here. But I thought that the race itself was one of the more exciting races. Which, of course, leads to the next point. Number three. My number three takeaway was the finish of the race. With about 30 to go, you could tell the intensity started to ramp up. Somehow Bubba Wallace got to the front of the field, which I thought meant, there goes the entire field. I was convinced that he was going to wreck the entire field. And I was wrong. Uh, I was pleasantly su surprised to be wrong. And I, I guess I have uh, some backtracking to do to admit that Bubba Wallace is a pretty darn good speedway racer. But there was the big wreck with, I think, seven to go that took out a lot of cars and caused the green-white checkered. There's nothing that I dislike more than a green-white checkered on a super speedway race. 
it typically takes a lap and a half to get up to speed anyway. And I like watching cars shuffle through the field coming from 8th to 2nd or 10th to 4th or whatever it is. Junior used to be the master at that. Can't really do that as much on a green-white checkered. Of course, for my personal benefit with my driver being in the back of the field due to the earlier wreck, I was rooting for the guys that I had money on, which were the 12 car and Brad Keselowski. I thought one of them would have to get around Cendric. There's no way. Cendric holding them off was cool. Seeing a, a rookie win the 500, you know, a handful of starts in the big leagues, it's cool. I mean, everyone's happy to win the 500. But it is cool, and it makes for a great storyline to see a young kid like that get the victory. And this young kid does know how to drive, not like a lot of the other young kids. And I get it, drivers are expensive. They make, well, I wouldn't say way too much money, but they make a lot of money, and owners are cutting costs by going with younger drivers. I get that. But to see a younger driver who actually knows how to drive a race car get the win was exciting speaking of how much drivers get paid there is a bonus segment Mackenzie you want to tell us your thoughts here's what's trending in NASCAR with Mackenzie welcome to trending with Mackenzie but it's also just fun facts and cool things to learn about the day Joey Logano won the clash him and his wife, Brittany, had their third baby on February 6, 2022. They had a baby girl named Amelia Love Logano. Congratulations to them. These are some fun facts about NASCAR drivers. Kevin Harvick gets paid $12.2 million, which makes him the highest paid driver in NASCAR. I don't even know what I'd do with all that money. The most popular NASCAR driver is Chase Elliott. I mean, would you rather be the most popular or the highest paid NASCAR driver? I would probably be the most popular because you still get money from racing. Anyway, another fun fact is after the drivers are done with their used tires, they load them into a trailer and ship them to NASCAR's R&D Center in Concord, North Carolina. And our last fun fact of the day, of the day is that NASCAR drivers can go 500 miles in their cars. That's it for today. Bye. Thanks for sharing, Mackenzie. Now let's get back to my top five. Number four. For number four, I'm looking ahead to next week. Next week, the series goes to Auto Club Speedway in California which was off the schedule last year, presumably because there was going to be renovations. But now it's back, and when I Google it, I can find very little about the renovation. Are they renovating? Are they not renovating? Are there even going to be fans at the track? Last handful of years, it's been one of the lower-drawing lower tracks, fan-wise. To be honest, it's a pretty boring racetrack. And my home track is MIS, which is identical to, well, very close to Auto Club. And I like MIS. I can't stand the race at Auto Club. 
Now, I do tend to get proven wrong by NASCAR. When I think that something is overhyped or boring, NASCAR tends to prove me wrong. Point being, I thought the Coliseum race was going to be an absolute joke, and I absolutely loved it. So, of course, I'll be watching, but I find it very odd that Auto Club Speedway was going to be made into a half-mile track, and not only does that not seem to be the case, I can't find anything about it. It's like NASCAR scrubbed the internet of any information about that. The only article I did find from NBC Sports was about how the Coliseum may have changed those plans. I can't imagine that NASCAR is going to do the Coliseum race every year, either as part of the clash or add it to the actual points paying schedule. It costs too much. If having a West Coast short track is what they want, renovating Auto Club or another Speedway to fit those needs does make more sense. But we'll see. I know my favorite driver has had a lot of success at Auto Club. So it could be a good day for me. And it's a race. So obviously I'm going to be watching it. But I do have to question if fan attendance is way down at Auto Club and TV viewership is way down, how much longer will Auto Club be able to keep their race on the schedule? Which brings me to my last point. Number five. My last point is about this podcast as a whole. I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. This is my first one. I've never done this before. I've wanted to for some time. But with the theme of the podcast, I would have to do it at the start of the season. So this season, I just jumped in. I'm going to do it best I can. I hope that this gets better over time. I hope my points make sense. I hope they provoke thought. If you disagree, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at connorbruin, C-O-N-O-R-B-R-U-E-N at gmail.com. And let's just talk about NASCAR. It's what I'm passionate about. It's what I care about. And this isn't meant to be some long, drawn-out podcast. It's meant to be a quick hit, maybe 15 to 20 minutes of my thoughts. So thank you for listening. I hope you'll give me a few weeks of listening, and I hope you enjoy it. I will talk to you after the Auto Club Speedway race.